And welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show. Thoughtful conversation about the news of the day. And we address the existential threats to America. We're doing that today, aren't we, Claude? Yes, we definitely are. And by the way, we're talking about a big one, the number one issue among uh, most Americans. That's correct. So joining us today, Mark Krikorian. He's the executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies. He's really the godfather of immigration information. He knows everything there is to know. He'll give us an update on the border crisis. Well, I'll tell you just one thing before I uh, talk to Mark. Extraordinary, I think, this uh, fine uh, on Trump. $350 million, no $450 million, and growing daily. No harm done, demonstrated. No victims. Unprecedented penalty. And very unclear whether he can get out of it at all. I mean, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Are you? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, for no other reason than the fact that it's obvious that this, among many other attacks on former President Trump, is all political. I mean, it's because of who he is. It's because they don't like him. It's because they decided that at whatever cost they're going to take him down. It doesn't matter whether it's putting him in jail, whether it's stripping him of all of his money and assets. Uh, they don't like him. And he's got several different angles of attack. There's a lot of different people and departments coming after him. And this is and this is what it looks like. It's a yeah. shame. It's really unbelievable. I mean, that's a ton of money, a ton of money. And, and I, 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 you know, I, I've been looking this thing straight on, upside down, sideways, and I, he, he's got to end up paying something and something very substantial, seems to me. Yeah. And recently what I've been seeing in, on some of the um, more liberal um, outlets is not now that actually trying to poke fun of him or embarrass him like, well, he doesn't even have the money to pay this. He doesn't have enough money and all this other kind of stuff. And um, and that's really the whole point. Right. Is to is to. Is to attack him, try to get him out the picture, and embarrass him in the process. Unbelievable. This is, uh, you know, she ran the attorney general in New York, ran on a platform of destroying Trump. I mean, that's, you know, it's not right. That's just not right. But that's where our politics is. Uh, that's where our elective politics is. That's where our Justice Department is. Unreal. Unbelievable. All right, let's talk to Mark. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I can't even figure out which flavor I like the best because they have different flavors. They're all pretty good, and it's completely improved my life. This is nutrition the way nature intended. I've been more intentional about being healthy eating right and exercising, and Field of Greens has been a great help. I've noticed that I've had way more energy throughout the day, and I also noticed that it helps with digestion. Uh, Here's what some people are saying about it. Much like I just said, more energy throughout the day. Some are saying that they're sleeping better throughout the night, noticing healthier hair and healthier skin. Uh, Some are saying that they feel better and healthier overall. And I think that's me. I just feel better and healthier overall. Now, Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. So I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you're going to love this product, but if for any reason you don't, check this out. They'll give you a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't like it, you get your money back. 
So I've got you 15% off your first order, free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code BILL. That's promo code BILL at fieldofgreens.com. The website, again, is fieldofgreens.com. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. All right, it's time to speak to Mark Kikorian. He's the director of the Center for Immigration Studies. knows more about immigration than anybody. Mark, um, is today important or not? Is, is it just a show date or does it matter in terms of what happens at the border? I think it does matter because politics is partly theater. And this is, you know, theater. And I don't mean this in any kind of derogatory way, obviously. It's, uh, you know, having both presidential candidates at the border, um, you know, at the same time, talking about an issue that for a lot of people is now the number one issue. Yeah, I would say it definitely is important. Who knows what they're going to say? I mean, we have a pretty good idea of what they're going to say. But I mean, I think it matters for public perceptions. It matters for media coverage, too, because if Trump had gone to the border on his own, it wouldn't have gotten that much coverage. But the fact that Biden is chasing after him because Trump scheduled this first was the White House heard about it and then rushed to do their own thing, um, raises Trump's profile and in a sense kind of makes this the first debate of the presidential campaign in a sense. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So make comments, I guess. Now, what about choice of place? Uh, Brownsville for Biden. Eagle Pass, I understand, for Trump. Yeah, Brownsville, uh, this is way in South Texas near the Gulf Coast. Um, it used There used to be a lot of illegal traffic there. McAllen is the other city near there. And that area used to have a lot of traffic because it's closest to Central America. It's the closest place, the first place you get to. Um, the thing is, uh, because of Texas's actions, especially, it's less appealing than it used to be. So there just isn't that much traffic now in the Brownsville area. Eagle Pass is where there's more. And even in Eagle Pass, because of Governor Abbott's efforts there, uh, has become less busy. Although for President Trump's purposes, Eagle Pass is a good example because he can say, look, look at what the Texas government is doing on its own. And it's worked because it succeeded in reducing the flow there. What they've really done is direct the flow over to, over to Arizona and California, which is bad for Arizona and California. Obviously, what Texas does doesn't solve the national problem, but Trump is going to be able to say, look, Texas has enjoyed some success. And there'll be some truth to that, although it's not the whole story, because the Mexican government is also cracking down across from the Texas border precisely to help Biden. We were there. I was there in Eagle Pass and Del Rio um, about what three, two or three weeks ago. And we went across the other side and talked to Mexican soldiers based there. And they're based. They have it's not like they're just passing through. They've set up uh, camps there. Um, you know, uh, they got trailers. It's a sort of semi-permanent setup there on the border. And the point of yeah. it. You know, I mean, the NCOs we were talking to, they don't this is all above their pay grade, but it's pretty clear the point of it is to try to make sure Biden gets reelected because the Mexicans really, really don't want Trump back. And if they can kind of 
clamp down on crossing somewhat to help Biden, they're happy to do it. I don't think they're going to be able to keep it up, but they are, in fact, doing that now. And in a sense, that's sort of um, building on what Texas is doing in trying to dissuade people from crossing there and persuading people to go the extra thousand miles to Arizona or even all the way to California. What you said about Mexico, Mexican um, soldiers, do you expect anything significant from Biden by the way of initiatives, State of the Union or otherwise? The White House did float trial balloons that he would take bold moves or unprecedented action or whatever. Um, The thing is that it kind of exposes the hypocrisy of his earlier statements in pushing that flawed Senate bill, because he said, if the Senate votes for this thing, I need those powers and I'll crack down on the border and I've done everything I can do. Uh, Well, if he announces some big new initiative, either uh, at today on the border or the State of the Union in whenever that is next week, um, you know, it it kind of does. He looks foolish because uh, if he could have done this, why didn't he do it two years ago, three years ago? Uh, So I would expect the main thing he's going to try to do is try to blame this on Republicans. Say we had this great deal in the Senate and the and the Republicans tanked it. And unfortunately, Trump kind of helped them with that narrative by saying, you know, that by what by Trump saying that he's the one who sabotaged the Senate deal. In fact, it was dead on arrival. Uh, no one was going to vote for it. It was it, it literally had no chance of passage before Trump even knew it existed. So uh, he was in a sense, kind of trying to take credit for something that was going to happen anyway. He's like the, I forget the name of the French politician from the 1800s who said something to the effect of, there go my people, I have to follow them because I am their leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what Trump did. Unfortunately, that feeds into Biden's narrative saying it was only the bad orange man who killed this because he wants to keep it bad so he wins the election. That's nonsense. Trump, Biden created this problem. It continues because of him. And if he wanted to, he could end it. But he is uh, unwilling to make the policy changes to end it. Well, uh, you know, you you talk about hypocrisy uh, if you were to reverse. But what about the embarrassment that's coming from the, you know, the clamor from the American people about uh, this issue? As you point out, it's number one. Uh, And in addition, you know, responsible for tons of fentanyl. Tons of crime, uh, a lot of unhappiness, uh, neighborhoods being destroyed, um, all these sanctuary cities. I mean, weighing cost and 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 uh, and and balance, you know, cost and benefit. Isn't there a good argument that he should stand up and do, you know, remain in Mexico and uh, suggest a return to that policy? Yeah, there certainly is, but um, there's a couple of issues there. First of all, he's already changed some of his rhetoric, and that has inflamed his hard left base. Uh, In fact, probably there's more people who are, uh, you know, more of his supporters are outraged by his, even the comments he's already made on immigration than there are on the uh, Gaza issue. Because a lot of them are the same people, of course, who both, both want, they both support Hamas and open borders. Those are overlapping issues. 
But I, I you know, my guess is that as far as his activist base, he, he, he I think might actually harm himself politically more if he backtracks on immigration than if he sticks to his, uh, you know, whatever degree of support he's shown for Israel so far. So the, in other words, it's a political problem. And related to that, the, the way I think about it is something you'll remember back from 1980, the Mariel Boatlift, when Jimmy yeah. Carter was president. Yeah. It's a similar situation, it's much smaller, but he helped create this disaster um, by saying that he'd welcome any people. Uh, there was a problem in Cuba, a bunch of people jammed into the Peruvian embassy trying to get out. It's a long story. But by, uh, President Carter said he would welcome them all with open hearts and open arms and figured, well, there were a few hundred people, a few couple thousand maybe. Well, overnight, partly through Fidel Castro's, um, you know, uh, organ manipulation of it, 120,000 people showed up overnight in Florida. It was a political disaster. The Democratic governor of Florida was screaming bloody murder. Some of them were detained in Arkansas and rioted. And that's why Bill Clinton actually lost reelection uh, as governor of Arkansas. So it was a real political problem for the Democrats. But because Jimmy Carter had not run as Mr. Open Borders, and the Democratic Party itself had not radicalized on the issue the way it has over the past 10 years, he was able to immediately turn around and shut it off. There was no right. there was no sort of revolt in his own ranks when he did a 180. Um, that's not the case now. I mean, if Biden really does, really did make, you know, an effort to stop this, and, you know, while that would help him politically, uh, and I'm not a fan, but, you know, it would be good for the country, clearly. But if he did that, I could see dozens of political appointees resigning, you know, open letters against all that kind of stuff that we saw with the Gaza um, incident. Really? Uh, really? Know, pushback. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if it would be as bad, but uh, it might be, and it might be worse. So that's one of the things that I think is uh, inhibiting the White House from really changing direction. They're trying to do as little as they can to reduce the the broader political problem that they have without actually changing their immigration policy any more than they absolutely have to. So the equation is to not uh, anger the base and reduce the temperature a little bit in general. Yes, exactly. Uh, and that's preferable to... Uh, looking at the whole country and saying, I understand your frustration. I'm going to do something serious. Absolutely. Um, that's uh, that's the problem they're in. Like I said, because uh, de facto unlimited immigration has become a litmus test issue among Democrats. I mean, look at these big city mayors. They're getting hammered by this flow of illegal immigrants. And all they've been saying up to now is we need more money. They're not saying you got to stop this flow. The feds need to detain these people so that they bear the cost and then deport them quickly so that you remove the incentive and fewer people will try. No, policy changes is not what they want. All they want is some more money to deal with it. What uh, would it take? What would it take for them to say that, Mark? That's a good question. Um, look at how bad things have gotten in New York. And only now, I think it was this week, 
uh, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, said, well, maybe our sanctuary policy should be dialed down a little bit so that violent rapists and criminals maybe will turn over to ICE. Maybe. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, I mean, it's as you as you're at, I mean, I repeat your question. What would it take to get these guys to change their policy? And I think the reason they've been so resistant is, like I said, this idea of borders being bad, they're being atavistic and Un, and immigration basically should be unlimited, that people have a right to move here, whether we like it or not. That has become so central to the left. It was always there, but it was a fringe kind of kooky idea. Now it is it is one of the animating um, ideas, principles of the left. How do you give that up if that's your basic point? I mean, it's almost like somebody who's you know been a pro-life activist uh, for his whole life deciding, well, you know, um, uh, some abortion isn't so bad. Uh, that, you know, it's just not the kind of thing that people are psychologically able to do, and it's creating real political problems for them. And um, I don't see a way out because this is, look, this has taken over the Democratic Party, and they're only going to step away from it um, if they're hammered repeatedly in, you know, electorally, if they're wiped out, if they get, you know, Mondale, Dukakis, Jimmy Carter level wipeouts. And the problem is, especially with Trump as the standard bearer, that's not going to happen because he, so many people hate his guts so much, they'll actually, you know, tolerate this disastrous policy at the border if the alternative would be voting for the bad orange man. So I, I don't I'm not sure how we get out of this. Yeah, you fear, as I do, that um, despite all of this and um, I want to say one thing about uh, one aspect of it and ask you about. But despite all of this, uh, Biden may still win the general election if it's Biden Trump because of the dreaded orange man and the number of people who say, I just can't vote for Trump and uh, and the fact that he is less popular than Biden. Yeah, I mean, that's the reality of it, unfortunately. Um, and I, I had a piece in, um, I guess, the current issue of National Review. It's the April issue. I don't know if it's out yet. And uh, the point I made was that if we have another four years of a Democratic administration, it won't be Biden necessarily. I mean, I don't think he'll he would make it for another four years, but it would be a, you know the Harris administration at that point. But another term following these kind of policies, and frankly, you know, the immigration law could turn into one of those st- kind of like one of those state laws you hear about every once in a while that that it's irrelevant, but nobody ever bothered to repeal it. In South Carolina, for instance. You're not allowed to keep your horse in a bathtub. It's illegal. Well, um, obviously nobody. I mean, you know, <laughs> nobody knows that. It's one of those ridiculous holdovers. Well, quite honestly, that's the way the Democrats view immigration law. And if they're going to be in charge of executing immigration law for four more years, five more years, um, you know, the immigration law itself could become that kind of uh, sort of passe thing that's on the books, but nobody bothers with anymore. And what would be the number then, approximately? Number of what? 
people coming across illegals? Oh, I don't know. It would grow, obviously. I mean, we're talking when you look at um, all the people who've been let go into the country. And so these are starting just with the people let go that took into custody and then consciously released. And then you add the um, gotaways who are people that the Border Patrol knows came across but couldn't catch because they were overwhelmed, like Lucy in the Chocolate Factory with all these people turning themselves in. We're talking something like two million a year is what's happened over the past three years. So, you know, it could be another, you know, two million a year for four, well, five, let's say five more years. That's 10 million more people. And frankly, it could accelerate if the word gets out that, you know, the people who came a year or two earlier are still able to stay. Nobody's looking for them. If they don't show up for their hearings, nobody cares. So if there's another Democratic administration, you can expect from now, you know, this is a year of this administration, for, for the next five years, you could expect, it's not ridiculous to expect another 10 million illegal aliens. Another 10 million illegal aliens. And what does that do to the country? Good question. Um, I don't like to think about it, but now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these catastrophists in the sense that I think, you know, things can always be at least somewhat turned around. Uh, and what was Adam Smith said? There's a lot of ruin in a nation or something to that effect. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it's not going to be good. It's going to be it's going to be bad for municipal jurisdictions because they're going to be overwhelmed. They're going to end up cutting services for Americans. Uh, less skilled American workers are not going to enjoy the increases in wages they saw under Trump before COVID when the labor market was tight and there was not much immigration. And so the people that immigrants would have been, I mean, there was immigration, but it was less, it was still a lot, but there was less than before. And surprise, surprise, people at the bottom of the labor market saw their wages rise faster than those at the top. That's never happened before. Um, all of those things will not happen. You'll end up with the reverse. You, you'll be harming less skilled American workers' chances of rising up. In fact, immigration continuing will undermine the position of the even the illegal aliens who came the year before. So no, it's just bad news all around. And I mean, are we assimilating, you know, even legal immigrants particularly well now? Our schools are all no. by woke kooks. We're tearing statues down and all that stuff. Why would anyone no. join that? So anyway, yes, it's it's what we're experiencing now but it would be dialed up to 11. Wow. And um, you were talking about the Mario boat lift. And I was just thinking and, and hearing that Maduro has now emptied his prisons. Is that what we think? There seems to be some of that. I mean, uh, because the crime rate in Venezuela is going down and these Venezuelan criminals are coming here. In fact, now there's a whole new um, uh, cartel or gang from Venezuela, I forget what it's called, trend to something or other. It's never, you know, has had no presence here. Well, bingo, Joe Biden has now imported another Latin American drug cartel into the United States. Uh, I mean, look, most of the people probably coming from Venezuela, or they're not actually, many of them aren't coming from Venezuela. They're coming from Colombia and Peru. They've lived outside of Venezuela for years. Uh, but they're trading up because Biden has basically invited them. But there are people coming from Venezuela, too. And Maduro would be an idiot if he didn't take advantage of that flow, just the way Castro did, to insert criminals 
um, you know, uh, spies, whatever it is. Of course, that's what he's done. Why wouldn't he? The Chinese communists are doing the same thing. Uh, again, you know, most Chinese illegal immigrants coming across the border, and it's way, way up from a low level, but it's way up. In the San Diego area, 15% of the illegal immigrants coming across now are Chinese. 15%. There's more There's more Chinese. Yeah, than yeah. And yeah. most of those are just regular working stiffs. They're coming to wash dishes or whatever it is. But there's no way the Chinese Communist Party isn't inserting bad guys in that flow. And we're not going to find out who they are until things happen. Yeah. Yeah. And how about this? You know, the ruin in the country, the containing the ruin is, is my, my thought. Will this be primarily harm to the big cities and you'll be relatively safe from it in Tulsa? How about Athens, Georgia? Was that uh, nursing yeah. students safe from it? Uh, Athens, Georgia is not a big city. She sanctuary, not... but it is sanctuary. Yes, that's true. But that's, I mean, that's, there's a lot of places like that. But so the fact is, it's not even just sanctuary cities that uh, these people are going to. I mean, the short answer is no. Every town is a border town. Every state is a border state. And obviously, New York and Chicago are going to get more of this because they're big cities and there's a lot of immigrants already there. A new immigrants will go and join their relatives or friends, that sort of thing. But um, immigration has spread across the country. Uh, you know, who would have thought North Carolina and Georgia would be in the top 10 immigrant states in the country? And yet they are. So, so no, this isn't something you can figure, well, you know, I don't live near any of that stuff. Uh, I don't have a problem. This is something that obviously as Americans, it affects all of us because it's affecting our country. But there isn't going to be any place you can hide from it. Wow. Wow. I don't what mean do we do? bad news, but... Uh, yeah, no, it's bad yeah. news. Yep. And, 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 you know, can we... How much can we tolerate? I mean, you know, um, I, 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 get, I, I I'm just thinking out loud here, listening to what you're saying. Uh, un, until the Democrats get slammed, really slammed electorally, this just keeps happening. Yeah, and one of the things I fear... Uh, and, you know, one of my guys who lives in Texas travels to the border a lot into Latin America. He's seen this. He's spoken to a lot of places is that, you know, we may end up seeing vigilante violence um, that hasn't happened yet. And uh -huh. that's good. And I hope it doesn't happen. But at some point, people, you know, are going to people who feel powerless are going to want to, you know, decide to take things into their own hands. And the problem is that the illegal aliens themselves aren't really the problem here. They wouldn't be coming if this administration wasn't literally inviting them in. Yeah. In fact, shortly after Biden took over, my analyst, Todd Benzman is his name, was on the Mexican side of the border. I forget where it was, somewhere uh, you know, on the other side of the Rio Grande, and was ended up talking with this illegal alien guide. He wasn't like a high up cartel person. He was just the person who led people across the river. But he had just gotten a big payoff and had his had some coke and some hookers. And he invited uh, Todd to take part and Todd uh, demurred. But he was talking to him about it. And he said, oh, this is because of la invitacion, the invitation in Spanish. And Todd was like, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, Biden during the campaign and and now that he's president, they're, they're just letting people in. They're letting people go. That's an invitation. So it's just it's I'm doing a land office business here. This is all directly 
the result of Biden's policies. And it's not going to change until that changes. And it's going to be harder to change because reversing a flow that started is harder than starting it. But it can be done. I just don't see this administration doing it. And I hope people don't start taking matters into their own hands. Because again, the root cause of this is not some schmo waiting across the Rio Grande. The root cause is taking a nap in the Oval Office. And until you know the American people change that, uh, this is going to continue. Yeah, there's a bit of a Pollyannish attitude, I think, among uh, a bunch of conservative Republicans uh, uh, to say, look how far ahead Trump is on this issue. Look how far ahead Trump is on that issue, on the next issue. Uh, and then to presume that that means Trump will be elected. But yeah. as we as we've just discussed, not necessarily and maybe even unlikely, given the fact that he is more disliked than Biden. Although Biden's given him a run for his money, quite honestly. But yes, um, I, I, I definitely if you, if you were to bet the general right now, how would you bet it? Oh, geez. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, the yeah. problem with the, the problem with the future is that we don't know what's going to happen. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, honestly, I don't like to imagine, consider the possibility that Biden or, you know, Harris, really, because that's who you'd be voting for would be Kamala Harris uh, is going to it could win. But, you know, I, it, it could. I mean, I think it's a complete toss up. But I think you're right that people looking at the polls now that show Trump ahead in all the swing states. And that's true. He is. And good. I mean, look, for my sins, I want to vote for him for the third time. But um, that doesn't, you know, he hasn't been convicted of anything yet. There's more, there's plenty of things that are going to happen. There's 10 months left. And the idea that somehow this is in the bag is just false. And I got to say, you know, if we had settled on DeSantis as the nominee and Trump, you know, didn't like sabotage that, uh, this election would be over. I mean, yeah. there's, there's literally no chance that Biden could beat the guy, even whatever shortcomings DeSantis had in running his campaign and all that. He learned a lot, I think. There's no way that he m- would motivate people on the other side the way Bi- the way Trump does. And lots of people in the middle or, you know, sort of country club suburban Republicans would say, look, this guy's acceptable to us as a way of not voting for the you know, the geriatric in the White House. So anyway, I have no idea. I'm not going to take that bet because I don't have a clue. What do we do? Well, what we do is, uh, first of all, at the state level, states can do things. States can pass, you know, E-Verify laws. They can, at the state level, you can ban sanctuary cities because the cities are all creations of the state government. Federal government has can't really, it's hard for the federal government to, limit sanctuary cities because they can't tell cities what to do. The states can't because the states create cities. Um, And then at the national level, the Republicans only have half of one branch of government. But what they can do is use the power of the purse. And with the tiny majority they have, again, there's the limit to what they could do. But for instance, the United Nations and FEMA, uh, FEMA is obviously part of the government, the United Nations gets grants from the U.S. government, and those and a lot of that money is used to move illegal aliens. The U.N. pays illegal aliens stipends, and they give them these cash cards and other things as they're moving through Central America and Mexico to the U.S. border. That money, we should be cutting off that money. And then FEMA has a whole 
program within it uh, to move illegal immigrants, to transport them and shelter them and all of that stuff. All that money, you know, needs to be cut off. And I think House Republicans could make a case for that, even with a tiny majority. And the only other thing is the other thing that House Republicans can do is add spending to require DHS to do certain things. And the two things at the top of my list would be expand the capacity to detain illegal aliens. This administration has actually cut capacity to do that. They don't believe in detaining illegals, but the House can say, look, here's the money. This is how much you know, you're going to detain. You're required to spend this money on this. And then the other thing they can do is force them to hire extra ICE deportation officers. It's called the Enforcement and Removal Operations. It's part of ICE. And that's even if they don't do anything, if they have to train them and hire them, it takes a while to do that. It would be good for those people to be in the pipeline so that if Trump does win, he can start, he doesn't have to start from scratch. He's already yeah. got extra <clears throat> agents in the pipeline. So there are some yeah. things Republicans can do, but there's a limit. Um, and, you know, they should be doing whatever they can in preparation, hopefully, for a different management a year from now. Yeah, uh, I, one limit, uh, just before he went on, saw a federal judge struck down Texas's latest effort. Did you see that? Yes, I did. And uh, that Texas law would have made it, and, you know, it's still obviously going to be appealed. We'll see what happens. I think they know that it, they want it to go to the Supreme Court um, because it's a different Supreme Court now than back in 2012 when that when Arizona tried to do something similar. But what the Texas law did is it makes it illegal under Texas law to sneak across the border from Mexico, because now it's just a federal offense. Um, and the punishment would be, A, either you go to jail, or B, the judge can waive prison if it can be proven that you went back to Mexico. It's sort of deporting yourself, because Texas can't legally deport people. It was a clever idea, and we'll see. It may still, you know, we'll see what happens in the courts. But Texas really has been trying to come up with interesting, innovative ways of trying to fill the gaps left by the Biden administration. But ultimately, even if Texas gets its way in every respect, that's not going to solve the problem. Problem has to be solved in Washington because the feds are the one who have created this problem and only they can really fix it. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, the laws are such that the federal government kind of remains supreme when it comes to immigration policy, does it not? Right. Yeah, and um, they base. I mean, that's the Supreme Court has been said has been said that for you know generations that uh, you know when it comes to the decision of whether or not to let foreigners into the country, that's uh, entirely Congress gets to do anything it wants. Uh, in fact, the uh, one Supreme Court decision says something to the effect that due process in such matters is whatever Congress says it is, because these are people who aren't here. They're not even green card holders who are sort of kind of associate members of the American people. But foreigners just trying to come in, they there's no right to do that. It's purely a privilege. Congress has plenary power over that. Uh, and um, that's kind of necessary. But the problem is, if the feds refuse to enforce the law, what are states supposed to do? And Texas lost yeah. cases based on standing. And what the Supreme Court basically said is that 
states have no alternative. There's nothing they can do about it. What may yet be litigated is the invasion clause of the Constitution, which says that states can't engage in military activity unless they're being invaded. And so the question is, does is what's happening constitute invasion under the Constitution? I think probably not, but in a sense, it, that is the kind of thing you need Supreme Court to decide, um, or maybe Congress to define. But the point is, ultimately, what are states supposed to do if the feds refuse to protect them? Yeah, well, um, and the earlier uh, approach by Texas, you mentioned, right, which is, um, you know, you're violating Texas law. Right. And I mean, they're already doing some of that and they can do some of that. For instance, one of the earlier things they did was not passing a new law. They just said, if you're if you're entering illegally and they got agreements with private landowners on the border, because unlike Arizona and California, almost the whole Texas border is private land because Texas came into the union as a separate country, wasn't created by Congress. Right, right. So that there's very little federal land there. So anyway, they you know, got agreements from private landowners that they could go on their property and arrest trespassers, illegal immigrants trespassing, which was an interesting approach to it. The problem is, you know, the local DAs often don't prosecute. And even if they did, you get 30 days in jail and then what? Then you call ICE and ICE under Biden won't take them and you end up letting them go anyway. It's just it was yeah. an interesting idea, but it did highlight the limitations of what a state can do. Now, I'm just thinking um, we're at a point now where it's the main uh, issue on most Americans' minds, uh, you know, right and left. But usually what happens is something else happens in, in, in the country or or nationwide. Do you think we're at the point now where this sticks like this becomes the main thing until something is done or does something else happen in the world? And then, you know, people decide to move away from it. Uh, I, I mean, it's possible, you know, the, as they said in Animal House, the Chinese could bomb Pearl Harbor, you know, um, anything's possible. <laughs> um, but I actually think, you know, unexpected things that could happen are the odds are that they would actually make this issue more salient. Mm-hmm. Because look at what happened with this poor girl in Athens, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, people are murdered every day. It's a terrible thing. And, uh, you know, the, even if the, they're illegal aliens or the murderers, it's not always the federal government's responsibility. But they had this guy in custody and then let him go. So it is their responsibility. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. there's going to be more yeah. of that. And God forbid there's some kind of terrorist attack, too. There may or may not be. I don't, who knows? But we're getting lots of people from countries where there's lots of terrorists. And there's so many of them that the the... ICE and the FBI and the Texas Department of Public Safety are not able to do the kind of, um, you know, sort of third degree they used to give people from Somalia or Iran or whatever who sneak across the border. You know, they take out all their pocket litter, they download their phones, they interview them and all that stuff. That's what they used to do if you're coming from, if you're what they call a special interest alien. In other words, somebody from one of these countries where there's a lot of terrorists, even if you were not on some list. Yeah. Well, they're not yeah. able to do that anymore. There's thousands of them. They can't do that. Uh, so, you know, and most of them are just, again, ordinary working stiffs. But do you really think that Al-Qaeda or some other group that we haven't heard of yet 
isn't taken advantage of this. It just seems uh, implausible. And all right, so Al Qaeda, Al Qaeda gets in. They organize. They have a terrorist attack. They kill fifty-eight people somewhere. Uh, does Joe Biden change his mind? Yeah, good question. There'll be a lot of rushing around, a lot of theatrical cracking down, and um, you know that is a bet I am willing to take. And the and I would bet that for a brief period they would do they would crack down and then it would go back to normal. If he wanted remain in Mexico, could he get it? Well, that's always the problem is that you know Mexico is its own country. <laughs> remain in Mexico isn't you know remain in South Texas. It's you have to get a sovereign country to agree to it. Trump did because they were afraid of him and he threatened uh, tariffs and they went along. And one of the reasons they went along isn't just that he was, you know, strong arming them, although that's part of it. But it's also that he was trying to get them to help doing something that he was doing anyway. In other words, Trump was trying to limit illegal immigration, was trying to get Mexico to go along with it. What Biden has been doing and he has been there have been some small efforts to pressure Mexico. They closed a couple of bridges for a couple of days on the border. Uh, what he's been basically telling Mexico is that he is unwilling to enforce our own laws. So he expects Mexico to do it for us. Why would yeah. they agree to, why would they agree to that? Um, so, yeah. And the point is, they were afraid of Trump. A lot of people were. Uh, they're not. Is anybody afraid of Joe Biden? I mean, he's a he's a laughing stock. He's a punchline. They're not going to. What can they do to him? And if any, and there's a Mexican. There's an election coming up in July in Mexico, presidential election. The current president is there. They can only rule one term. Um, but the point is, you know, is complying with what a weakling like Biden wants you to do going to help? You know, the president or the you know candidates running for office? I don't think so. So Biden could try. I think he should try and maybe he could get some cooperation. But, you know, I don't think so. Not after a three year track record of pusillanimity. Yeah. And back to Mayor Adams. You know, he just asked for money. He doesn't ask for stopping the flow. Is that because he wants the flow? Is he a believer? Is this true of uh, Governor Newsom, who says, wonderful, wonderful. Come on. Welcome. Keep on coming. Yeah, I mean, I think yes. They, it, like I said, it's a it's a foundational belief of the modern left. Now, Eric Adams, you know, as bad as he is, actually is less of a crazy than, for instance, the mayor of uh, Chicago, who is a yeah. real. I mean, he is a he's a Marxist. This guy. So, but 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 even for you know non-Marxist people, you know, Newsom or what have you, or Adams or others, it is a um, it's a an immutable value of the left. In fact, I wrote a piece years ago because this pre this development predates Trump. I wrote a piece in National Review. I wanted to call it Open Borders Uber Alice. Um, Catherine Lopez, whom we both know, uh, was the editor at the time. And she said, no, 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 we can't call it that. So I forget what it was called. Liberal two-step, I think. And the point is, I laid out all these examples of organizations or, or interests on the left that when open immigration conflicted with what their ostensible goals were or constituents, they always sacrificed those to, to keep the borders open, whether yeah, it's I, I remember. whatever it is. And so I don't see the kind of change you would need to see uh, from, 
you know, these from governors or mayors on the left or congressmen, you know, just a few. I mean, look, this guy in Long Island, the Democratic congressman won the special election for Santos's seat. He actually basically ran as kind of Donald Trump on immigration um, and he won. Uh, you'd think that would be a lesson for Democrats, but um, I don't think it is. I mean, look, not yet. I hope I'm I hope to be surprised. I hope to be wrong. I'll be happy to, you know, eat my hat or whatever it is that you do when you're proven wrong. Eat crow, which I assume tastes like chicken. But um, but the point is, I don't expect to be having to eat any crow on this issue. Yeah, I remember years ago I asked you, I said the there was a lot of littering on the on the border, just garbage all over the place. Yeah. And I said, you know, where's the Sierra Club and, you know, all these good environmental people? And you said they're not as powerful as yeah, the immigration and, lobby. And, and it's not even just that they're trying to get their issue in and the immigration lobby is overpowering them. It's that they don't even push their own interests anymore. Um, yeah, you see this yeah. with all the organizations on the left. They've all just become sort of affiliates of a broader left wing agenda so that you have you know, labor unions talking about whatever, trans issues or climate change. And you have, you know, environmental groups talking about higher minimum wage or abortion or whatever. I mean, they don't, it, they're not promoting whatever cause or interest that they were designed to push anymore. They're just a different, kind of a different battalion in the broader left-wing movement. And so they all have to subscribe to all of the different parts of that. And open borders, uh, de facto open borders, is one of the central ideas now of the left. And everybody has to buy into it regardless of what specific issue they're working on. All right. I think we've exhausted this. Um, thank God you're there. Um, <laughs> I uh, keep at it. You know, it's. Uh, but I don't know why you haven't stopped it. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, what, can I, what can I say? Fire me. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, yeah me. no, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It'd be so Thank much you. worse if there weren't, uh, you know, the handful of people working to stop this. I'm I'm just, I just pay the bills here. I mean, I have uh, people writing for me who yeah. are really top people, and it would be so much worse if, you know, all of us weren't here doing what we're doing. I think so. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much. Anytime. Happy to do it. Well, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on X at William J. Bennett. Like me on Facebook to search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. Now, how do you do that, Claude? How do you email the show? Oh, just send an email to billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. And like we did in the last episode, you know, we'll wait an episode or two to gather, you know, a bunch and we'll read them off and respond to them. Excellent. 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 